Hello, are you ready? I'm ready. Namaste. So what should we talk about today? Let's talk about the video that you sent me because you send me many videos. I've given you a clue of which one I want to talk about. This is episode 21. Hello, this is legendary voice Alvin Shia. It's another Friday before sunset, so please sit back or lay back and enjoy a breath of life for the next 17 minutes with your host, my friend, LaFool and A. I think what you're referring to is a video that was put up by a guy named Patrick King. Uh, he has a company called Soil King, and he's a series called A Day in the Life, which is in its third season. The first episode is by uh, a guy who's the owner of Swami Select, which is a uh, cannabis dispensary in the Emerald Triangle, mainly out of uh, Mendocino. Yes, and it was fantastic. I just had a great time watching that episode, running around and seeing, first of all, their property, which is just beautiful, and their home, and how they treated the folks who came to work with them for that particular season. We didn't see much of a cultivation process, but we did see part of the harvesting process, which was really awesome to watch. I quite enjoyed it. The video really kind of begins with a harvesting day. They could have been in the middle of harvest, but they were just going out to harvest that day. And of course, it started at five o'clock in the morning. Yes, of course it did. And there was coffee and later there was pancakes and all kinds of wonderful things were happening. The thing that sort of caught my attention with this particular setup that they have there and the way they talked about growing cannabis made me reflect on something that you and I had talked about a couple of episodes ago, which was, you know, can you grow indoor? Can you grow outdoor? What's better? And we talked a little bit about that, but there's something that I think the Swami said, or it may have been Nikki who pointed out that things that are sunshine grown have a whole different energy and oftentimes a better flavor. And I certainly think that we would find that true in conventional farming of vegetables. It brought me back to whether or not we should even be growing cannabis in an indoor situation where it doesn't have access to the energy of the sun which I think actually is really important. I'm not like a worshiper of cannabis, right? I don't even use cannabis. But a lot of people that I know, including you, find it to be a sacred element in their life. And therefore, I'm wondering about the difference between sunshine grown versus, you know, electrical light. Talk to me about that. In all the big cities, throughout the Bay Area and throughout California, there's different labels. It'll say sun-grown, on it because some people want to know that it's sun grown and then they'll say indoors and sometimes it says greenhouse usually sun grown is what a lot of people are looking for generally the, the price is a little bit less but for a lot of people herb falls into several categories one sacred herb two medicinal three is recreational people that are into the spirituality of it they don't really want to deal with, with recreational. Recreational is just for, you know, the average guy that's, who's been smoking blunts and, you know, he just wants his weed, man. You know, that's all he, he really cares about. But people that want a sacred, it has to have certain qualities to it. How it's grown, uh, the environment that it's grown in, you know, who's handling it. They try to have a farm that's dedicated to that. They grow on sacred land. Uh, they grow in what's called living soil. That means that the soil is not separated. It's not like been bagged up. 
there's living life inside of it, vermiculture uh, and other sorts of life. It's growing in the sun for seven months. I call it being on the matrix or on the grid where the roots are in the ground. So it's following the course of nature. It's following the moon pattern. It's following the sun every day. And then again, it also has nature involved in it. There's predators to everything in your garden. And then you have those other things that protect the plants, you know, from predators. It's nice to have cannabis that's grown naturally in the sun and especially in like a very calm and peaceful environment. A lot of people can feel the difference in the herb. So if we have that kind of situation in an agricultural universe, which I would then apply to, say, farming, and I don't want to say like organic farming because I think organic farming isn't always necessarily done with great care. It's just a label people slap on things. And I also think that the idea of sunshine grown can also be used as a marketing label. There's something distinctly different about how they see their lives, how they see working with the land, and how they see growing cannabis. And I'm wondering if you think that that translates to a different experience when you use that particular cannabis, whether it's for medicinal or sacred or recreational use. And then how does that apply to the bigger perspective that we have on life right now? Like we're all so busy and so rushed. We want everything fast and we want everything controlled. It's easier in some respects to grow uh, indoor where you have a lot more control. But what would happen if we all sort of moved our lives back to something that was more along the lines of the natural rhythm of things and had a different perspective on where we're getting whatever it is that we're putting into our body and how it was produced? It really depends on who you're talking to. A lot of people are about like the me, 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 now, now, now stuff. Now you have a grower that he doesn't want to wait seven months for his flowers. He wants it right now. So they'll do things like light depth and use auto flower. And then they pump it full of salts and chemicals to try to get it to grow big and fast as possible, you know, or they use like hydroponic and other techniques. It really depends on, on who you're talking to and what you're looking for translate that over to regular farming. It's the same thing. A lot of farms these days have really changed in how we grow our food. You know, people using GMO seeds, you know, to grow bigger and faster, but GMO is so untested. Uh, I think it's very dangerous. I don't like anything involved with GMO. You know, Monsanto's was big on that. And, you know, we know the problems that Monsanto's has, but there are a lot of people who buy into GMO and I don't. So natural is what I prefer. And again, I don't like the word organic either because even that kind of got twisted around into something completely different. It would just be nice to have natural farming again, small farming. We've gotten so far away from that. I don't know if we can get back to that. I don't know if the millennials, if the boomer generation even has an appreciation for that. Maybe the Zoomer generation, the ones that come, are going to do a little bit more research and see the long-term effects of GMO you know, foods and products and trying to rush things and making everything commercial grown. Uh, and maybe their kids will end up going back to the basics, you know, how it used to be. I think we're straying away from that. I think there are some craft people out there that are trying to keep the craft alive. And it's one thing that Swami was talking about that they struggle with. A lot of people are like, you should maybe consider going commercial, you know, making it bigger, doing it, doing it full out. But the larger you get, the more problems you have. And one of the things that these plants have is a lot of attention. You know, he has a small enough farm. Like, like you can find pictures of him watering his plants by hand. 
there's a certain energy involved in that, you know, like, like you're near the plant, you're breathing your CO2 onto the plant, but there's an energy that happens when you're with your plants and you're one-on-one with them compared to where it's these big commercial gardens where everything is automated and the plants don't have any human contact. Yeah. It depends on what you're looking for. I like the small craft farmers and I think that's where we should stay. Like commercial's fine, but there should still, there should be an even balance for both. And I wish our government would make a path for that. Prop 64 in California sucks. We should have gone with um, what's called the Jack Carrera Hemp Initiative, which was designed to guard small farmers. You're just talking about one state. Um, I think we should speak at the federal level about how that could be realized. Well, the reason I was talking about one state is because the video that you saw was from the Emerald Triangle in Mendocino County, and they're affected by this one state's rules. I believe the way California goes is the way that the rest of the nation will eventually go. Of course. So I'm hoping that we can kind of get back to it. If you read Prop 64, which is designed for commercial farmers, and you read the Jack Carrera Initiative, which is designed for small farmers, you'll get the nuances I'm talking about. We need to protect the small farmer. The reason why the small farmer is going away is that he's being pushed out. People are coming from outside of the state with large money, and they want these commercial grows. Uh, and eventually, a lot of it will go back to the cigarette companies who want to control the cannabis market in the first place. And that changes everything. It changes the type of seeds that you use because they want to use Monsanto seeds. They want to use certain chemicals in it. And so it's just the whole nature is really kind of changing and going away. So if someone at the individual level thinks that this is an important issue, then they need to be paying attention to what their state legislature is considering what they ultimately pass as policy, and they need to be more involved in all election years, not just a general election year like this year, but um, perhaps coming up in 2022, there will be some states that are ushering through some cannabis legislation and it needs to be paid careful attention to. How do people get more involved, not just because they care about cannabis, but perhaps because they care about slowing down their own lifestyle and they're beginning to see that it would be helpful to not live in such a rushed world? Where do you turn at the state level? Depends on what state you're in. You know, this is such a wide topic. I mean, we'll stick with just cannabis. Try to find out at a local level what grassroots efforts are being done for first decriminalization. Because what stops most farmers is the fear of getting arrested, you know, and so that's the first thing to look at. And then next, who's trying to to keep it natural? Are there rules guarding against GMO? You know, are there rules that are going to be designed to help the small business entrepreneur get in the game rather than looking only at the corporations? The devil's in the details. Any kind of legislation that you see coming down the pipeline, you should read it carefully. Prop 64 was over a thousand pages and no one read it in California. There's no way that there's any good legislation in something that's a thousand pages long. And that's what it's designed for. If you get past the first 25 pages and say, this is a good product, that would have been a different story. But the truth is, I guarantee you, anyone who voted for it did not read it. VP Harris is a prime example. She was all for Prop 64. Why? Because she actually read it. (laughs) it pulverized Prop 215 and it really targeted growers. It targeted small entrepreneurs. It targeted the youth. She's all about the police state. The police state loved it. That's the best example I can give. It's going to come to a town near you. There'll be two forms of legislation. One will be one page and it'll be very clear 
This is for the small business entrepreneur. And then there'll be the big document which says, hey, you'll get this for free if you sign it right here. And guess what? Everyone's going to go for that free without wanting to read it. Every state is different. Um, for example, Oklahoma right now. Oklahoma's doing some pretty good things. I really am not from Oklahoma, so I haven't read it. But it's one of those red states that's actually pretty green. So they're doing a lot of good things there. I, I don't know the long-term effects of what they're doing there. Uh, I know Texas is trying to go with legalization, and there's some good people out there that are trying to make it happen. They're all about, you know, incrementalism, doing it baby steps, which has gotten us so far absolutely nowhere. I think we just need a bold, aggressive measures. We need to get people really involved in it, but they're still trying to do the right thing. Right. I think they're going to look out for the small entrepreneur in the process. At the federal level, personally, I'm not very hopeful. <laughs> right. Those that are in power right now that just came to power have never been like, look, we're going to look out for the entrepreneur. We're looking out for the grower. We're going to look out for the individual and then, and we're going to look out for medical. They don't, they've never said any of those words. One of the problems that I see having worked in politics for some time now, where there's money, that's where a lot of things happen. And so if there's big corporate money behind something, we're constantly left in a David versus Goliath situation. The little people who want better farming, and let's just talk about cannabis, so who want cannabis situations where the small farmer is protected, isn't having to struggle to make ends meet because they're up against what effectively is a monopoly, you know, with people who are able to produce a high rate of product for a relatively cheap price and sell it cheaply. The problem there is, you know, where do you find the energy and the money that can challenge the Goliaths? You don't have to have as much money as they do. A little guy winning uh, is always the favorite story, but I'm wondering how we move in that direction. It seems like we're at a point in our world now where the pandemic has kept a lot of us at home or changing our rhythm of our life. And I think people are starting to appreciate perhaps a slower existence. And maybe now is the time to be able to offer some new ways of countering the big money that continues to be out there. Have you thought much about that? Not lately. I really haven't. I've been out of the cannabis industry for a little bit now with my new line of work. I still am concerned about the industry. I'm less hopeful now than I used to be because it really is kind of a trickle down. Grassroots are important. But up, what happens up on top matters too. And we needed leadership in there right now that was going to say, I'm taking THC off the controlled substance list. That's what we needed. And we didn't get it. We need leadership in there that's going to say, I don't take corporation lobbyist bribes. So therefore, those industries aren't going to be able to harm the cannabis industry. And it's just not happening. I'm looking for David. He's probably still collecting five smooth stones down off the water side. But Goliath is stomping the crap right now on top of the mountain, and he's only bringing his brothers out these days. That's what I honestly see for the industry. So the cannabis industry is still under attack. What we see up there in the mountains is slowly going away. If you watch the video, Patrick talks about how they're the pioneers of this industry, and they still are. There's a guy named Eddie Lepp. He's been in there from the beginning. You know, He went to jail a lot for this industry. We're just getting past the place where everybody's getting arrested every other season. For right now, I'm just looking for that one champion is going to come and say, look, I'm going to do this one thing. We're going to take it off the controlled substance list. 
And for me, that would be a good start. Just that alone. Sweet. It's rather doom and gloom, huh? Well, it's not so bad. I mean, you got to look at the reality of the situation that people are facing. It's helpful, I think, to let people know that there is a difference in the product that they're consuming and that if they think that what they're consuming is important to them, they have some responsibility to speak up about how they would like that industry to serve them better. I agree. What would be nice is to see um, Congress and others really help the small farmer. Let's create more small farms out there. And that's what we need to get back to, especially with this new age coming about social distancing. I'm, I'm all about the small farmers and the small growers. So anything that will promote that is what I'm looking forward to. Me too. Yeah, that was fun. We should talk more about something else like this later. Okay. Talk to you soon. Namaste. Have a blessed Sabbath and Shabbat Shalom.